Hey everyone, it's Pacific. Just a few quick pieces of news, and then this week's episode. First, our postcards just arrived a little later than anticipated, but that means I've officially started putting together our uh, kits for the April merchandise push. So if you signed up or were a existing Patreon during April, uh, expect your postcards, stickers, sticker sheets, and buttons, um, you know, depending on your tier, uh, to be arriving pretty soon. Um, I'm trying to get these out as quickly as possible, but, you know, it's alphabetical, so... I will get to them as quickly as I can. Second, because we had so many new patrons in April, uh, we hit our 500 Patreon goal, which means uh, the next batch of merchandise we do, which uh, sign-up will be in June, uh, delivery will be in July, will include a very special enamel pin for everyone at $5 and above. I'll have more information about this as we get closer, but keep your eyes peeled for some designs and news about that coming soon. And last but certainly not least, this week I want to welcome on Danny Sweet. Um, you may know him from our other show, Margaret's Garden, uh, which is out in its entirety. Ten episodes. It's awesome. Go stream it. Uh, but Danny Sweet was our composer and uh, editor on Margaret's Garden, and now I'm very excited to announce that this is uh, his first episode on SCP Archives. Uh, Danny did an incredible job, and I'm very glad to have him around. So, without further ado, this week's episode... Warning. The Foundation database is classified. Unauthorized access will result in detainment. Within this archive, you'll find the procedures, descriptions, and accounts of the most notorious anomalies we've encountered to date. Secure. Contain. Protect. Item number, SCP-783, Object Class, Keter. Special Containment Procedures. Personnel must monitor the town of Tembe and continue to develop the entity's profile. Its victims are to be retrieved, incinerated, and cataloged in this file. Update. Due to recent events, a stronger Foundation presence has been determined to be necessary for the containment of SCP-783 and its related phenomena. An ancillary building near the local hospital, as well as two domiciles, has been commandeered from the locals for Foundation use. This property in its entirety has been redesignated as a Provisional Site 5. Description: SCP-783 is a hostile entity currently preying upon the residents of Tembe, a rural hamlet in Oxfordshire, England. It has a period of activity lasting roughly 70 days over the fall and winter months, occurring every 12 years. It exclusively attacks those who are alone and indoors after sunset. Buildings housing SCP-783's current targets will experience a steady degradation of their structural integrity. Outwardly, this is visible as faults and breaks on the outer facade, which lend affected structures an angle or crooked appearance. This anomaly extends to any objects which breach the affected building's exterior, causing immediate and severe deformation that is invariably fatal to living objects. To date, Personnel have yet to prevent an attack or been able to provide any means of assistance to SCP-783's targets. Due to this, as well as SCP-783's effects on recording equipment, little is known regarding SCP-783's exact appearance and the nature of its anomalous attributes. 
Victims of SCP-783 attack exhibit gross deformations in their body structure as a result of dozens of compound fractures along their bones and severely displaced vertebrae. These are healed via rapid generation of excessive cartilage and osseous tissue. Victims display hyperelasticity of their epidermis and musculature to accommodate the extra tissue, with one subject's form extending over 2.4 meters and another having a recorded height of 12.5 meters. The end result of this malformation and elongation are subjects who visibly present as being wholly serrated or gnarled. Despite the nature of these injuries, most victims are alive after the cessation of an SCP-783 attack, though they often suffer full body paralysis or remain in a persistent vegetative state. 27 living specimens have been acquired and placed on life support. They are held in a wing of the local hospital requisitioned for foundation use. The residents of Tembi are aware of the existence of SCP-783, though speaking of it publicly is considered taboo. Researchers have documented a playground song shared among local youths regarding the anomaly. There lived a crooked man who made a crooked deal. He kept a crooked cane and his catch in crooked creel. He stole a crooked child who cried a crooked squeal. And that crooked little man was broken on the wheel. Observation. A month prior to SCP-783's current period of activity, D-209 was selected from a group of volunteers to live in a Foundation-owned property in Timby. Audio-video recording equipment was installed throughout the house for observation purposes. The following was recorded on the 43rd day of his stay. Begin log. 2234. Second floor bedroom. D-209 is lying upright in bed, reading a novel. Living room. Live feed experiences a jagged vertical distortion in its display. This begins on the left of the frame near the front door and crosses over to the right side towards the hallway. It lasts approximately 23 seconds. 2235. First floor hallway. Floodlights from the window opposing the camera are obscured by something entering the hallway. A similar distortion effect occurs center frame, masking the object. The image quality further degrades before ceasing transmission. Distortion can be seen to the left of the frame as SCP-783 enters from the living room. Second floor bedroom. D-209 jerks upright, alert. Claims to hear a slow, prolonged scratching sound coming from the first floor. He begins to get up out of bed. Note, SCP-783 manifestation confirmed. Visual distortion taken to be an indicator of SCP-783's physical placement within the house. 2236, second floor stair. Image becomes wavy and distorted. Movement can be seen, though the interference is such that no details can be made out. Second floor bedroom. Slow. Deliberate footsteps can be heard ascending the stairs. D-209 attempts to open the window and escape, to no avail. 2237, second floor bedroom. D-209 procures a small lamp from the nightstand and makes several attempts to smash through the window. Second floor hallway. Sudden video corruption affects this feed as SCP-783 moves directly in front of the camera. The image resolves over the span of 33 seconds as it moves farther down the hall. 
At this point, the only affected area on the recording is immediately outside the bedroom. Second floor bedroom, D-209 freezes. A knock is heard at the door. 2238, second floor bedroom. D-209 approaches the door, wielding the lamp as a cudgel. He asks for the individual at the door to identify themselves, receiving no response. He then asks Control if any personnel were able to gain entry. Observing personnel maintain radio silence. D-209 braces himself and grasps the doorknob with his free hand. D-209 throws the door open. Note, a loud snapping noise is heard throughout the house. All light bulbs on the premises burst simultaneously, including floodlights focused on the property. 2240, second floor bathroom. Once the camera adjusts to low light conditions, SCP-783 comes into view. It is near the open door to the hallway, motionless. Second floor bedroom. D-209 is screaming, clutching his right arm. It has been fractured just above the elbow and dangles freely. It is observed to swiftly harden, presumably due to rapid bone growth. D-209 shouts his intent to escape with his life and charges from the room. 2241. Second floor hallway. As D-209 runs past the bathroom, a loud snapping noise is heard. D-209 falls to the ground and screams for assistance. He reports that his leg has been broken. Note, video corruption instantly begins to affect the kitchen as the sound is made, ceasing in the bathroom. 2245, second floor hallway. D-209 is able to bring himself to a stand. He displays his right arm for the camera, which has been broken below the elbow. It is angled in the opposite direction from the previous fracture. D-209 curses observing personnel, but reports that his pain has mostly subsided. He limps toward the stairs. Second floor stair. While trying to navigate the stairs, D-209 trips and falls. Twelve loud snaps are heard in rapid succession. Upon coming to a rest, D-209 exhibits several more fractures in various places along each limb. He screams as they set and spasms on the landing. 2314, second floor stair. D-209 begins to ambulate. He struggles to crawl, eventually passing out of frame. 2326, First floor living room. D-209 can be seen dragging himself into the room. He strains, moving with great difficulty due to his cumbersome limbs. Each arm is estimated to be over two meters in length, with several inflexible breaks that inhibit motion around obstacles. First floor kitchen. SCP-783-D manifests. Visual feed clears. 2331. First floor living room. D-209 occupies the majority of the living room. His lower legs stretch out of frame into the hallway. He has a hand on the knob of the front door, but the length of his fingers impairs the dexterity required to manipulate it. A scratching sound is audible in the hallway. D-209 expresses distress immediately before being dragged backwards forcibly and off camera. He begins to scream. Note, 
SCP-783 and D-209 remain in the hallway for the duration of the night. Snapping is heard intermittently. D-209 ceases screaming at 0427. At 0501, a wet suckling noise can be heard, followed by rapid thumping. In log. Incident 783.1. Concurrent with the noises heard at 0501 during the D-209 trial, all 27 living victims in Foundation care went into seizure. Despite the fact that the majority were brain dead or wholly paralyzed, they convulsed for several minutes. Two present researchers were injured during the incident. Life support systems for several patients were compromised, killing five. A vast quantity of Earth was disturbed on the outskirts of town during this time. Update. Personnel tasked with investigating the recent seismic event were met with resistance from Tembi locals, who crowded around an area in a field to the south of town. After a brief exchange, Agent Collins drew her firearm and discharged a round into the air. The crowd dispersed. Several elongated toes were immediately visible protruding from the freshly exposed earth. A dig team was assembled, and by the following afternoon had unearthed a mass grave approximately five meters across, containing several dozen nude victims of SCP-783. The bodies were well-preserved, yet desiccated. Their number was unable to be immediately ascertained, owing to the fact that they had been piled atop one another. They were oriented head down, with their arms extending deeper into the pit. Furthermore, most of the victims' limbs had become intertwined or knotted around each other, preventing exhumation without the use of sawing instruments. Researcher Singer elected to extract a tissue sample. During this process, the soil beneath him caved and he tumbled into the pit. The body shifted due to his weight, and as he struggled to gain footing, the tangle of limbs gave way and he fell out of sight. Agent Collins promptly commandeered a length of rope and tied it around her waist. She tasked several nearby personnel with reeling her in upon her signal and entered the pit. Approximately 20 meters worth of rope was drawn beneath the corpses as Agent Collins descended. The line became taut after several minutes. She signaled for extraction and was recovered safely. Upon debrief, the agent testified to the existence of an anomalous locale the entrance to which is located beneath the victim's corpses. A temporary leave of absence was granted to Agent Collins. Field Logs SCP-783-L1 Initial D-Class Exploration for Observational Purposes Retrieval of MIA Personnel Secondary Objective SCP-783-L2 Special Operative Dispatched to Further Ascertain the Nature of SCP-783, Pending Declassification. SCP-783-L3, Mobile Task Force Deployed to Contain SCP-783, Pending Declassification. SCP-783-L4, Data Expunged. Hey everyone, it's Pacific here with a quick ad break. 
And a reminder, if you hate ads and you'd rather listen uninterrupted, consider supporting us at patreon.com slash scp underscore pod, where for as little as $3 a month, you can get early, ad-free, and intro-free access to all of our episodes. And now, a word from our sponsors. Thanks for listening, and now, back to the episode. The following is the first recorded exploration regarding the SCP-783 case file. Please refer to the primary documentation for further information. Field Log 1-0034 D-2172 is chosen to perform preliminary observation of the subterranean Tembi anomaly, a large circular pit acting as a mass grave for the twisted and elongated corpses of past SCP-783 victims, all facing downward. D-2172 is suited in MOPP Level 4 gear and fitted with a retractable harness. Communication and video recording devices were hardlined through the tether. They were provided with a handheld photoionization detector, a Geiger counter, and other environmental testing apparatuses. They were allotted a basic survival kit, as well as a Ruger LC-9 and ample ammunition. Expedition was scheduled to commence at 8 o'clock local time, but does not begin until 8.35. This is due to a minor issue regarding D-2172's personal protective garments. Despite being of proper size for their frame, D-2172 proved incapable of fitting them on, even with the assistance of personnel. Larger gear had to be supplied. Transmission begins as D-2172 is being lowered via crane over the pit of SCP-783 victims. They prod their foot into a fold between the coiled torsos of two corpses, which part. They look up and signal for the technician to continue. Visual feed reduces in clarity intermittently as limbs and bodies pass close to the lenses. Twelve meters of tether are expended before daylight is completely obscured. D-2172's headlamp activates. Nothing of note can be seen from their position within the knot of corpses. Descent is put on hold when D-2172 begins to thrash. D-2172 becomes insistent that command resume the descent and at a faster rate. They claim to have felt a hand caressing their back. At 18 meters, D-2172 reports a sense of vertigo and expresses confusion regarding the direction of travel. After a brief discussion with command, it is determined that D-2172 had experienced an inversion of gravity. D-2172 manages to reorient themselves and proceeds to climb upward from their perspective in order to continue descent. Ambient light levels begin to increase as 20 meters of tether are expended. Daylight can be seen shortly thereafter. An overcast sky is captured as D-2172 breaks the surface. The surrounding area is partially obscured, however, due to countless elongated arms extending upwards from the mass of corpses. D-2172 utilizes two of these appendages as leverage in order to fully extricate themselves. They slowly navigate towards solid ground. The area is seen to perfectly replicate the town of Tembi as it exists in baseline reality. D-2172 is standing in a field on the outskirts of town. To the north is a small stone cottage belonging to a Mr. John Myers, and beyond that, the main road into town. D-2172 
D-2172 turns for a panorama shot. Sparsely wooded areas and fields border D-2172's location in every other direction, confirming that this replication is absolute for as far as can be seen. Thermal and atmospheric readings match those in baseline. D-2172 disengages their harness with audiovisual feed converting to a wireless stream via a relay device. D-2172 is then instructed to use their photoionization detector to take a head sample of the soil. While D-2172 is testing the sample, researcher Kest notices an oddity regarding the soil surrounding the mass grave on D-2172's end. Upon playback of the footage, dozens of marks can be seen in the soft earth. The pattern of these markings suggests that they had been created by fingers being drawn through the ground. This is noted by command. D-2172 is not informed of this development. 0026. D-2172 reports that no contaminants have been detected. Command instructs them next to proceed to the Myers cottage and to remain vigilant for any sign of researcher Singer. D-2172 arrives at the cottage and knocks thrice on the door. They pause, awaiting an answer, and then proceed to enter. The cottage appears to be uninhabited. D-2172 rummages through the first room, finding nothing of note, and walks into the bedroom. The wall over the bed is a rough sketch done in charcoal. It depicts the upper body of a reclined humanoid figure holding a rod or staff. Its free hand is outstretched above the headrest. D-2172 is instructed to approach and inspect the drawing. D-2172 is hesitant, professing to feel a great sense of unease while in the drawing's presence. They advance slowly. With each step in its direction comes a decrease in the quality of the video feed, which begins to break up. By the time the drawing is within arm's reach, the video feed is obscured by heavy amounts of static. The audio is drowned out by a shrill whistling noise. Before D-2172 can touch the drawing, command orders them to withdraw. They acquiesce and back away. Interference is reduced to nominal levels. D-2172 is permitted to exit the premises and explore the village proper. D-2172 walks in silence for a few minutes before the road sign for Tembi becomes visible. They travel down a bend in the road, where on the ground they find a single work boot. Picking it up and turning it over in their hands, it becomes clear that it matches those belonging to researcher Singer. D-2172 intuits the direction Singer could have been traveling and points out a nearby home. It is a two-story dwelling with a sizable front lawn housing a wick elm. The tree is noticeably dead. The ground around it is littered with broken limbs. The front door of the abode is wide open. D-2172 heads toward it. Director Kim, at the time acting as command and overseeing the excursion, requests to be relieved of duty, citing the onset of a debilitating migraine. They are escorted to their quarters by Agent Collins. Researcher Bond steps in for Director Kim. D-2172 crosses the foyer and enters the living room. There are signs of previous struggle. The couch is overturned, as is a small end table. There is a hole in the wall in the bottom of the floor. D-2172 steps over the shattered remains of a tabletop lamp and into the adjoining kitchen. 
This room is in a similar state of disarray. Dishes, foodstuffs, and appliances that would have been on the shelves or countertop litter the floor leading back to the living room. Most of these items have incurred damage, suggesting they had been struck or thrown with considerable force. As D-2172 nears the sink, a small pool of blood can be seen on the floor. There is a clear pattern of cast-off spatter on the walls and counter, with long strokes indicating that an assailant delivered several successive blows with a bladed weapon. D-2172 kneels to take a sample of the blood, and upon standing, a butcher's block can be seen laying on its side next to the sink. All of the slots are filled, save for the one intended for a meat cleaver. D-2172 notes this fact. A series of passive blood stains leads from D-2172's location and towards a door on the far end of the room. The door is heavily pockmarked and scratched, indicating assault. It is found to be locked from the other side. D-2172 attempts to kick the door in, but only manages to splinter some wood along the doorframe before becoming winded after three attempts. They walk back toward the other end of the kitchen, take a deep breath, and charge at the door. D-2172 shoulders the door at full speed, breaching it successfully. Their momentum carries them over the door's threshold, where they panic and brace the wall for support in order to stop themselves from falling down a flight of stairs leading to the basement. D-2172 gains their bearings and is chided for their reckless behavior. Command instructs them to enter the basement. After trying the light switch, which fails to produce a result, they have a brief discussion with Command on the merits of documenting the contents of the basement and place heavy emphasis on the value of their own life. They are eventually persuaded to continue on threat of being cast adrift. D-2172 activates their headlamp. They draw their firearm, disengage the safety, and carefully descend in a low ready stance, hugging the wall opposite the railing. The basement is largely empty. D-2172 sweeps the area, and something on the ground in the far corner of the room glints under the light of their headlamp. D-2172 approaches and finds the missing meat cleaver, wet with blood. They kneel to inspect the cleaver, and upon standing they notice a quarter-meter-wide hole in the concrete wall, an exhaust vent leading above ground. A piece of fabric is hanging from inside it. Closer inspection reveals it to be a pant leg, D-2172 pulls at the article, which is found to be a tattered pair of tan slacks, previously worn by researcher Singer. A rustling is heard from within the vent. D-2172 leans in closer to inspect, and something fleshy can be seen, which quickly moves up a bend in the pipe and out of sight. D-2172 promptly withdraws from the premises. Due to the discoveries within the domicile, researcher Singer is presumed to have been killed in action. D-2172 is instructed to travel out of town in order to further document the nature of the area itself and determine its actual boundaries, if any. Little of note occurs for the next 40 minutes, as D-2172 travels north and out of town down Tembe's main street. D-2172 is now outside Tembe's town limits, continuing on the main road, which now winds through a densely wooded grove of silver birches. This geography remains consistent with that of baseline for the following two kilometers, at which point forest gives way to fields. It is not until a small cottage is spotted ahead that D-2172 expresses concern. 
They stop and survey the surrounding area, revealing that they had somehow emerged back on the south side of Tembi. D-2172 conveys to command that they cannot see the limbs of SCP-783's victims, which should have been visible extending out of the body pit. They diverge from the path and run towards the expected location of the victims. Upon reaching it, there is a large circular area of overturned soil and a distinct lack of corpses. There are no signs of D-2172's presence here either. A previously discarded sample bag, along with the relay device and accompanying tethered harness, are absent. D-2172 begins to panic and is instructed to hold their position while command decides upon a course of action. Researcher Bond confers with the on-hand technician to confirm the status of D-2172's harness. It is relayed that it had not been retracted prematurely, nor had any length of tether been expended since D-2172 set aside their harness. After some deliberation, it is determined that D-2172 has possibly entered an iterative spatial zone situated adjacent from their original area of entry. It is then decided that exploration beyond this point would be best handled by personnel experienced with excursions of this nature. D-2172 is instructed to follow the road back towards the entry point. D-2172 is traveling down the road through the silver birch forest at a brisk pace, idly conversing with command. It is as they remark on the absence of any form of life that a rustle of leaves can be heard. D-2172 turns towards the source of the noise to find the naked body of an elongated SCP-783 victim. It is sprawled across the road, unmoving, a few dozen meters away. D-2172 swears loudly and then turns to continue on the path. Another SCP-783 victim is stretched along the road before him, some distance away, also unmoving. D-2172 withdraws their firearm and takes a step towards it. A rustling and snapping sound can then be heard behind D-2172, who again turns to face the victim behind them. Although the body's position remains unchanged, it is clear that the trunk and arms had grown and elongated, twisting and breaking, placing them closer to D-2172's position. More snapping can be heard once again behind D-2172. They rapidly turn and fire at the SCP-783 victim barring their path, whose neck had elongated and bent such that it placed their head roughly a meter away from D-2172 at eye level. Though several rounds are discharged directly into its face, it elicits no reaction. Snapping can be heard once again from the unobserved victim behind D-2172, who absconds from between the entities by running off the road and into the woods. D-2172 runs for several minutes eastward, ignoring command's advice to keep the road within view. They eventually stop to catch their breath and recuperate, coming to rest momentarily on a large rock. There is no sign of pursuit from the SCP-783 victims. D-2172 uses this opportunity to reload their firearm. Upon holstering it, they take some time to consume an MRE. They consult with command on their relative position and determine the proper direction of travel. A moment is taken to alleviate themselves, and they set off. 203. The trek is largely uneventful over the next 14 minutes before D-2172 stops. 
They claimed to feel minute vibrations in the ground, coming in short, punctuated bursts. Though they are assured that the sensation may be attributable to the unstable region of space-time in which they are in, something that should not be concerning, they insist on remaining still, listening. They inform command of a muted thumping noise coinciding with the vibrations. This is not picked up on audio. They advance carefully, again readying their firearm. Off in the far distance, the camera captures a single silver birch tree being lifted vertically out of sight above the tree line. D-2172 does not seem to have witnessed it. As command attempts to communicate this to D-2172, it comes back down through the treetops, much closer to D-2172, and impacts the ground with enough force to shake the ground. It can now be seen that despite its thickness and mottled white coloration, that it is not, in fact, a birch tree. From D-2172's vantage point, it cannot be seen to have any branches, and it extends to a point somewhere above the canopy. D-2172 is instructed to approach and physically inspect it. Before they can act upon this, another such object comes down directly next to D-2172, knocking them to the ground. Once on their feet, they approach the second object. They pause once they see the faint impression of ridges and grooves running along the object's side, and opposite of it, a flattish, horny nail plate. D-2172 fires at the object and draws blood. It quickly withdraws. A deep, protracted scream emanates from above D-2172, who breaks into a run. D-2172 runs through the forest, swearing incessantly and begging for some form of assistance or support from command. As they run, more objects crash down around them, seemingly trying to hit D-2172 directly. They break from the forest. They are now in the northern outskirts of Tembe. As D-2172 hurries to close the distance to town, another of the unidentified objects collides with D-2172, knocking them on their back. The object comes to rest beside D-2172, taking up the majority of the visual feed. D-2172's gaze follows the object, tracing up its length. Without the obstruction of the canopy, it can be seen to bend and twist, terminating several hundred meters in the air. D-2172 screams when they discover its source. The nude form of Researcher Singer is suspended high in the air, balanced on elongated and grossly enlarged fingers. Researcher Bond stands from her position at the control console, doubles over, and proceeds to vomit profusely. A member of medical staff rushes to her side in time to catch her as she falls unconscious. Dr. Peterson elects to take her place as the command console. Agent Collins arrives to help carry Researcher Bond to the medical bay, where she is to receive corrective treatment. The singer creature screams a hollow sound, lifting one finger from somewhere deep within the silver birch grove, felling several trees as they drag it towards D-2172. D-2172 rolls to their left and out of its path. They withdraw their weapon and fire at Singer, failing to hit their mark. The singer creature can then be seen to lift its left hand, slowly drawing its digits together to grab D-2172. D-2172 swiftly comes to a stand and runs in the opposite direction. The digits can be heard colliding with one another behind them. They safely reach the main road and do not slow their pace as they follow it south through town. 
Loud thumping can be heard as the singer creature ambulates on their digits in pursuit. D2172 narrowly avoids a finger as it sweeps past them to the right, crashing through a chain-link fence surrounding one of the houses. Another finger plummets through the roof of an abode ahead of D2172. D2172 swears repeatedly as they come around the bend where they found researcher singer's boot. They pass the road sign, nearly falling as they trip over their own feet. D2172's pace begins to slow as they are clearly becoming winded. The Myers cottage comes into view, and shortly thereafter, arms can be seen extending out from the body pit. Command encourages D2172, urging them to reach the pit and assuring them that the technician standing by is prepared to reel them back in. The singer creature screeches. D2172 is knocked aside with great force, tumbling into the field. Visual feed is lost due to incurred damage. D2172 can be heard screaming and cussing with ambient volume suggesting that they are getting farther and farther away from the recorder. The thumping of the singer creature's fingers can be heard becoming more and more distant as well. Silence is recorded for the final half hour. Dr. Peterson orders the termination of the audio feed and declares D2172 as lost. It is decided that D2172's harness may be recalled for future use. Agent Collins arrives in the control room and discusses the matter with Dr. Peterson. Collins asserts that there is no evidence that D2172 was captured or had expired, citing an ethics committee mandate on the exploration of non-incursive extra-dimensional locales. They persuade Dr. Peterson to leave available D2172's harness. Several personnel remain on hand over the next several hours. At 2.13 local time, the presiding technician reports that they witnessed the tether moving. After a moment of stillness, they are able to observe it becoming briefly taut as the line is tugged on twice, D2172's signal for extraction. Medical personnel are notified as it is anticipated that D2172 will need to be tended to. After a minute, D2172's empty body harness breaks the surface. It appears that none of the straps had been properly secured prior to being recalled. The harness seems to be caught on something within the pit. The tether continues to retract, revealing the hand of D2172 grasping to the harness, which slips out of their grip. D2172's hand can be seen to move animatedly, attempting to grab hold of something to keep it from slowly sinking back into the mass of corpses. D209 rushes towards the pit, grabbing hold of D2172's hand moments before it falls out of sight. They begin to sink into the knot of bodies as well. D774, Dr. Lafayette, and Private Odd quickly come to assist D209, forming a human chain, and with their combined strength begin to pull the pair of D-Class from the pit. D209 is successfully extricated. His arms are outstretched, hands still grasping that of D2172, whose hand comes back into view. As the four men pull, approximately three meters of D2172's forearm are dislodged from the body pit. It begins to bend and snap at several new points of articulation. D209 lets go. D2172 is reclaimed by the pit.
This episode was possible thanks to the generous donations of the following patrons. Liz Burkhart, Dan Hughes, Nerdy Otaku, Nomadic Wayfinder, Alicia Fernandez, Josh Brown, Sasha Bellum, Kitty, Mr. Nerd, and Ember Cobbs. SCP-783 was written by S.D. Locke. Our host and narrator is John Grills. Dr. Brooks was Addison Peacock. Agent Mathias was Atticus Jackson. This episode was sound designed by Danny Sweet. And our assistant editor is Jesse Hall. Our music is done by the incredible Tom Rory Parsons. And I'm your showrunner, Pacific S. Obadiah. Our producers are Tom Owen and Brad Miska. And this is a bloody disgusting podcast. <laughs>